Hey folks, as you know, I love helping people, especially people trying to help themselves. So I was sent this GoFundMe fundraiser from a listener. My name is Greg, and I was homeless due to the death of my spouse and need dental work to become employable as I look horrendous, and my work experience is working with the public. I desperately need dentures or, if lucky, implants. I have never been more humiliated in my life and am thankful someone is willing to help me do this. Please help make me whole again. If you would like to help Greg become whole again and get his life back, the link to donate is below. If you are unable to help, please share the fundraiser link. I truly appreciate you. Serious 911 operators of Reddit, what is a call that keeps you up at night? I'm a firefighter and I overheard a call on the radio from another unit. They were dispatched to a possible suicide. The information given while the crews were en route was patient's wife came home and found a note on the door saying honey I'm already gone if you're reading this please do not come in and see me like this. The crews arrived and the next thing you hear on the radio was the paramedic telling dispatch code 4 meaning patient is deceased and in the background you can hear the wife screaming bloody murder as loud as she could. It was chilling. I was a dispatcher about 17 years ago. There were some funny calls I like to talk about. Like the person who wanted to complain that their drug dealer stole their laptop. The one I don't like the most is the long call with the woman who was concerned about the landlord who didn't like her and her boyfriend was in the background confirming her statements that the landlord was creepy. They found her body floating in the river the next day. Except it turned out it was the boyfriend who killed her. Also, the recorded calls you have to listen to during training where they intentionally play you the sound of people dying on the phone while talking to a dispatcher so that you understand what the job might entail and they can see how you react to it to see if you can stomach it and keep talking and providing details to units. 1am and the phone rings and I pick up to hear a man screaming on the other end. No words, just screaming. Finally get him to tell me what happened and he told me he heard a gunshot in his house and went to see what happened and found his brother in his room. He had shot himself. I got a 911 call about a vehicle that ran off the road. The caller told me that the female driver was unconscious but had a pulse. He then proceeded to tell me that the passenger was a fatal. I asked if he had checked for a pulse at which point he told me no it was a young child that had been decapitated. I asked him to find anything he could to cover the child because I didn't want the mother to regain consciousness and have that be the last image she had of her child. It was 9.30 a.m. I've been on shift since 7 a.m. All the ambulances had checked in for morning mileage and radio checks. All was good. Call comes in on the emergency line. My son is not breathing. Okay, we got this. Start going through the steps of checking for a pulse breath while dispatching the closest ambulance. I am almost to the part where we start CPR when the ambulance calls back dispatch. Our rig is dead. You got to be ducking kidding me. You called in this morning with the radio. Check. Did you not check your goddamn ambulance? Nearest ambulance is one whole county over. 30 minutes. 30 minutes for a situation that needs immediate medical intervention. The mother is screaming on the phone, crying. The sister comes in and starts screaming the name of her brother. I have to tell them the ETA for an ambulance is 30 minutes. It's been almost 10 years since I was in EMS dispatch and I occasionally wake up in a cold sweat thinking about that call. That's ducking duff. Did the child survive? Yes, he had OD'd. The family loaded him up in the car and rushed him to the emergency room. Worst call I got was when I worked overtime on Christmas Day and got a call from a father who returned from a business trip and found his 19-year-old son hanging in the bedroom. Hunts me until today. Early on in my career I took a call from a father who found his 12-year-old daughter hanging. Her legs were still kicking and he was in a panic as to what to do. I never learned the outcome of that call, but I never forgot the panic in his voice. And now as a parent I know I never will. 
999 call take a radio dispatcher from the UK here. One of my scariest calls came from a man who was on a train viaduct which was at least 200 female high and was planning on jumping. He was 19 years old and has just lost his mother to cancer and had no other family to speak of. Now our control room had CCTV cameras from around the towns and cities that we covered and I shouted across the room for someone to bring the camera up that covered the viaduct for me. Sure enough around halfway along the viaduct and leaning precariously against the high rail was the guy I was talking to. I introduced myself and said that I could see where he was and that I hoped we could talk and get him to come down and get help. So I am talking to this lovely, quietly spoken man who is crying softly. As he speaks to me saying he has nothing left to live for. His mother had been the center of his whole life especially so since she had contracted cancer and he had cared for her alone. As I am talking to him and trying to convince him to climb down I hear a radio call in my earpiece and my supervisor frantically shouting that a train is coming along that line and unless we get this man off the viaduct he won't have to jump as the high speed train is going to hit him. At this point I am literally shaking pleading with the man to get to one of the small setback areas on the viaduct used by a rail workers. He luckily agrees and I tell him to stay on the call as he starts making his way as quick as he can to the nearest safe point. I can hear his labored panicked breathing through my earpiece and suddenly I hear the unmistakable sound of the train approaching. And the noise is so loud I can no longer hear the man I am talking to so all I can do is listen to the sound of the train racing past. Then it's silent. I hardly dare speak. I say the man's name. Are you okay? Can you hear me? Finally in a shaky voice he answers and says he is safe and just shaken up. He walks to the end of the viaduct where he is met by police officers and an ambulance and is taken up to hospital and that's the last I speak to him. This call is as clear in my mind as the day I answered it. I can still remember the feeling of absolute terror as the train approached and being terrified that was he not quick enough he was going to suffer a horrific death. Some things never leave your memories. I just pray he went on to live a happy healthy life. X been working as a police call taker for three months. We take calls for multiple police jurisdictions. We cover a large area and variety of communities. Couple of highlights from my short time here so far. Mother who found her son's suicide note in his bedroom. We go through the standard questions last known location, cell phone, description, method, mode of travel, previous history, etc. While I was waiting for members to arrive at her home she told me about him and how he was supposed to go on a seven-day trip with the Coast Guard the next day. The phrase she said that sticks with me is my heart is in my boots. Not a popular saying where I am from. Members arrive and so I disconnect so she can speak with them. One minute later I see an update in the file already hung in the backyard. Body is cold. He was right outside the window the whole time we were talking. A girl I graduated high school with went missing over the weekend when I was on my block. I took a call from someone that had seen her right after she went missing and gave a description and direction of travel. They don't find her. The next day we get a call of a body found hanging in the woods. It's her suicide. When I went on my lunch break I made the mistake of looking at my Facebook wall and saw all the missing person posts and a heartbreaking interview with her dad describing how unusual her disappearance was. She was a sweet girl. I remember going to the fair carnival with her and friends when we were 14. As part of our training we listened to some of the more intense calls. Worst one was one of a woman whose boyfriend shot her in the mouth. The call starts with a baby screaming and howling in the background and some gurgling and groaning from the woman. She's only half conscious and barely managed to dial. She was able to tell the call taker her boyfriend shot her and which way he went. She also kept repeating I am going to die. I am dying. The gurgling, sobbing, and constant howling is something I'll never forget. Apparently she survived somehow though. 
So that's good. Woman in apartment sobbing uncontrollably saying she can hear her neighbor screaming my baby is dead. Caller says she has two, three-year-old kids. Once police get there though I see the update that the deceased was like 50-60 years old though. So not entirely sure what was going on there. We had like four or five callers for that one so the file was a mess. I am off my break in a few minutes here. Finishing the last five hours of my night shift wish me luck. I worked the UK equivalent 999. My job was to route calls to fire, police or ambulance. I had no medical training and the calls that had me quit were as below. About 9 at night a woman calls calmly asking for an ambulance as her husband had passed out. After 10 plus minutes of trying to get London ambulance to answer the phone, she hangs up. I stay on the line and another 10 minutes later they answer. I relay the situation and address and they confirm they'll do a drive by basically get the nearest available unit to visit the property see what's happening. Half an hour later the same woman calls back. Exact same reason for calling. Once again I'm on hold for London Ambulance to answer for 10 plus minutes. Out of the blue she comes onto the phone and calmly says don't bother. He's just died and puts the phone down again. This time it doesn't disconnect and I hear the most heart-wrenching wail of despair from the same woman. She then goes into a teary rant about how useless everything is and how London Ambulance killed her husband. Before the line cuts off again. Get through to the ambulance service. Explain everything and the operator confirms the drive-by got cancelled because the ambulance it was assigned to had finished their shift. I didn't sleep that night and cried more tears than I ever had done previously. Next day I went into the office an hour before my shift was set to start. Emptied my locker. Gave all my work stuff to Maj, boss and quit on the spot. Uncle was a 911 dispatcher a couple years ago. He said that most of the calls were pretty standard except for one. He gets a call at 7.30ish at night. There's a woman sobbing and she says that she found her son's suicide note. So he's going through the steps, asking where she thinks he is when he hears a loud bang and then a thump followed by another loud bang and thump. The line is silent after that. Since this was a suicide they had a police officer coming along as well. He heard the officer open the door followed by him saying holy shit. He then tells my uncle that there are two bodies both with their heads blown off. Officers and paramedics arrive and the call ends. My uncle was told the next day what happened. Apparently this young adult was abused by his mother. He bought a shotgun, killed her and then killed himself. My uncle quit soon after. Oh I can answer this one. So, I've been a fire control operator for 5 years. The last 12 months I've been a crew commander I manage the control room and crew of 3-5 people. A couple of calls still sit funny with me. I'll list them in order of least bad to worst. My first suicide call. I was going through training with my then watch commander and a colleague took a call. My quite harsh watch commander pointed at me and said you need to hear this and I listened as my colleague took the details of the body of a young male who had been found hanging from a tree. That job sat funny with me because he'd only been deceased an hour or so and I'd only been at work that long. The idea of these things happening as I go about my business really slapped me. It was a tough thing to process to start with. First fire death. I took a call to a house fire. Fire issuing from the rear windows. Colleague took further calls making it persons reported. I dealt with lots of death in my job including people dying after fires but this one was out of the ordinary. We made record time to the job with crews in attendance in 5 minutes. First message I took back from the job seemed pretty average. It was an assistance message asking for more crews but the firefighter added on completely against procedures may I add one casualty. Deceased. One serious burns. One minor burns. Those details are never passed on radio and everybody including my watch commander who's been in the job near 30 years were visibly shocked by that message. Road traffic collision death. Emergency services work 24-7 here. I work over Christmas and I worked Christmas Eve a few years ago and I took a call to road traffic collision. Call was from police and I heard the hurt in the voice of the police control operator that passed the call reporting a young lady who had been ejected from her car on the motorway and killed. 
horrible job. I won't discuss details but hearing my firefighters who have seen some shit on the verge of tears hurt my soul. I was okay with it for the most part. I went home Christmas morning and had a great Christmas hour. First in our first home boxing day I had the TV on in the morning and I heard them mention the incident. They said the victim's name and she had the same name as my fiance. I've had nightmares about the job ever since. I will never let it go. Knowing the descriptions I heard and all the things about the job that hurts my heart. I've talked to people in drug-induced psychosis. People setting fire to their own homes out of spite. I've had some calls from people in serious mental health crisis. I've had hooks and malicious calls. Two weeks ago I successfully talked a man out of taking his own life whilst having a severe schizophrenic episode and taking a large overdose because he didn't want to speak to ambulance or police because he didn't trust them so he called us. I'm not saying this for praise or thanks. But I just wanted to highlight the scale of the job we do. It's not just people in burning houses or car crashes. I'd like to add a highlight of my career so far though. It's not all doom and gloom. I took a running call job the crew have come across whilst out and about thinking it to be a road traffic collision. Much to my absolute joy they discovered it wasn't a car crash burns lady in labor and I got to announce the birth of a lovely little girl who just couldn't wait to get to the hospital. I've also just been nominated for a control room hero award by one of my colleagues which is cool. So I've had plenty of heartbreaking calls but the one that actually keeps me up is because it was so weird and disturbing rather than tragic. So set up I work medical and we cover a fairly large geographic area. Calls come over with minimal info from the first call takers. So we know location and that it's a medical issue. Okay. Tell me exactly what happened. Standard first question. A young sounding woman replies pretty calmly but energetically. My back hurts. And Uncle Ricky is real. She proceeded to explain that she had chronic back pain. And that she'd been in the hospital the day before because of it. But they didn't refill her meds while she was there. And Uncle Ricky made her throw her old ones out. The more we talked the more irrational and erratic her answers got. I ask her to make sure the door is unlocked and pets are put away and she says the door is open. Then she tells me about her cat and that it's already outside. Don't tell Uncle Ricky about her cat. He made them kill the last cat she had. Her dad and her cousins. They killed all the cats. But they're locked up now. She named off all her cats for me. There were a lot. She mentions that there's a Sasquatch outside. She can see its size in the woods. She kept this up for 20 minutes. Just before the ambulance arrives she starts talking to someone who got there first. It's a patrol car that had been quietly sent. First thing the officer asks after addressing her by name which wasn't the one she told me. How did you get inside this house? There was a logic in her rambling. A terrible consistency about her uncle Ricky. But there was plenty of random mental health delusions in her conversation. And she was 30 miles out of town in a house that wasn't hers. Don't know what happened to her or what had happened to her. How much of what she told me was real or fantasy. Of nightmarish delusion meant to lie to herself. I wonder whose house she was in. Where they were or why she picked that house. What was out in the woods looking at her? Was there even a cat there? Was Uncle Ricky actually real? In the end long mental health calls trouble me the most. Delusional people tell almost believable stories with deep honesty. They've told me about werewolves and demons and ghosts at the foot of their bed. Some say their upstairs neighbor is poisoning them when they live alone. Most of the time there is no follow-up on what was really happening, at least for the call takers. Wondering how truthful the strange frightening stories keeps me up at night. Doesn't keep me up at night but I do think about it time to time. Had a daughter call in for her elderly mother experiencing chest pains. 10 minutes pass and I call for Anita. They tell me they're there. The daughter gave me the wrong address they had recently moved and she gave the old address. The chest pains turn to trouble breathing. 8 to 10 minutes. Mother isn't responding. Daughter is crying over the line. Paramedics arrive perform CPR and even use the defibrillator. Sadly she didn't make it. I heard all this over the phone at the time it hit me a bit hard but you get over it. 
former operator, victim needed police. A bit later hearing shots and screaming, then silence for a bit. Here another voice angrily saying no and hangs up, was caught. Happened to a friend of mine but it's something I always think of and the thought just haunts me. We worked in the police emergency call center. She covered my shift as I wasn't feeling too good. She was working the day of the Christchurch mosque shooting. She said the phones were going off with people calling about the shootings. She spoke to a lady who was in the mosque. The lady was frantically screaming and she could hear the gun going off and all the screaming in the mosques. The lady stopped screaming but she could still hear what was going on in the mosque. She still has PTSD from the event and took time off work. We don't know who the lady was or where she is but this call will always haunt us. It always scares me that that could have been me. Sure, okay. I was a medical dispatcher in Canada for a few years until I moved on to other things. Cool job, but not a lot of upward or even lateral movement from there. In Canada we have some really rural places. If you start looking far enough to the north it'll get dicey whether or not you even have drivable roads to some places. Your nearest dispatch could be two, three hours away, even longer. We got a call in for a labor in progress in one of these areas. Contractions were coming fast. I was on the line with the husband guiding him through the process. Get some towels, a blanket, safety position the mother all that I could hear the mom talking with him in the background in between contractions she sounded good they were really excited a little scared as you would be it was late late at night and as typical we didn't have a lot of call takers on another EMERG call came in so I chucked them to another line told them to keep it up and I'd be back in a minute and bounce to answer the next call minor situation quick dispatch couple minutes easy everyone in the room was giving me the look assisting with a birth is a bit of a dispatch rite of passage and this kid was coming now everyone was all smiles I am feeling like a champ I key back to procedure for guiding a birth and flip back over to mom and dad's line it turned so fast I was only gone maybe two minutes and it turned so fast mom was bleeding vaginally a lot too much way too much in those two minutes she went from sounding fine if agonized to death store duck 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 okay dad tells me she's white as a sheet gushing blood she's getting faint just stay with me honey don't go don't go please don't go they're on the way they'll be here soon just stay with me. The ambulance is still well over 90 minutes out. No RCMP nearby. To respond. No first responders. They're out there. In the sticks. On their own. I hear her say goodbye to her husband. I hear him cry. Oh my god. Please. Wake up. Wake up she's not breathing. He's hysterical. But we can't be hysterical. We have to keep her blood moving. My blood is ice cold. There are tears in my eyes and I choke that shit back because we need to rein this dude in and get hands on chest for CPR. There's not really any great way to manage internal bleeding as a sieve on scene so, we do what we can. We pump her heart. For an hour. Longer. I don't know. At some point I just blocked it out. One. Two. Three. Four. One. Two. Three. Four. Pushing hard and fast. At least two inches deep. One. Two. Three. Four. I don't really remember what happened but I was on the line with him until paramedics arrived on scene. And then just as suddenly they were gone from my life. Families discovering suicides were also the worst. Dreadful. Not quite sure if this counts, but my father works CMS. If you get a proper segue into the topic, he will tell you about the worst calls he's been on. The worst call I've heard was a suicide. Never a good case. He remembers arriving and seeing the guy's troubled loved ones. He made his way to the bedroom and got the scene of the bloody and gory mess ingrained into his head permanently. It was a suicide by 12-gauge blast to the face. He didn't eat for a few days and had to take off of work to digest the incident. I was the first person to find my ex after he did the same thing. My guess is he put the shotgun in his mouth, 
but there wasn't enough left to tell. It's so incredibly awful, and I can definitely understand why your dad had to take off. The officer that did most of the talking told us that he's been doing his job for 35 years and only seen about four of them. They never get easier. The first few weeks afterward were horrible. I remember struggling to find anything I could eat. I was an involuntary vegetarian for at least month. It's been almost two years and I still struggle with hamburger when I cook. Spilled cola Dr. Pepper also sets me off. I am extremely grateful for the people who showed up. My memory is patchy, but there were five seven police cars and at least one ambulance. Every one of them willingly walked into the house that still gives me nightmares. Someone had to literally pick up the pieces and put him in a body bag. And I have crippling PTSD just from looking at it for less than a minute. I would never ever wish that on anyone, but I am sincerely thankful that people like your dad do the job they do. I haven't been dispatching very long so I am sure that I will have plenty of stories, but what immediately comes to mind was a call I took the week after I started talking to people directly. Elderly man came on the line. His voice was slurred and I had a hard time understanding his address. He apologized and I told him it was because his phone was breaking up. He replied, Oh, well I just wanted you to know that I am going to shoot myself in the head. We had protocol but my instinct was immediately to plead with him, to tell him help was on the way, and to get him to keep talking to me. I wasn't able to get two sentences out before I heard, the shot, dead on arrival. Two hours later, I get a call from the same address, a woman screaming that she hadn't heard from her father, a cancer patient. After his daily nap, she came to check on him and found a blood-soaked recliner in the backyard. I will never forget that stupid address or his voice. Worked in a medical call center for a pathology lab. We handle incoming requests and call out urgent results such as life-threatening chemistry, hematology or microbiology to the doctor and ward. Some that stand out. Baby was born septic at 2 p.m. the afternoon. Called the lab and asked to verify the life-threatening values ASAP as the hematology and CRP values were sky-high. Finally verified at 4.30 p.m. Send the doctor the results via SMS as per his instructions. Call the ward and a nurse answers. Go through my whole speech and the results and she simply responds with you don't have to worry about that. 1. Hit me in the gut. Called a doctor with a glucose random on patient that was twice the life-threatening limit and she tells me it is impossible. The patient is lucid and talking to her. I simply reply that a chempath and tech has verified the result and she just drops the phone to tend to him. Called an emergency room doctor with a normal troponinity and read her a comment about follow-up testing being advised due to a delay in tropped presenting after myocardial injury. She asks for a follow-up. I arrange it. I call her back after 40 minute with a life-threatening value for the trote. She just responds with thank you for catching what I should have. Have other stories about TRS and nurses and bad luck but alas they evade me now. My dad is a paramedic in the UK. He told me that dead or dying babies are the worst calls to go to. You hear it on the radio and your heart just sinks. There were two calls he told me about that have really stuck in my mind. One of them, a woman had been cut in half by a train. Because of the positioning, she was still alive as the bleeding was plugged. When they moved her she died. The second one was a 16-year-old girl who had died on the train tracks after touching the live rail. Dad said calls like that aren't uncommon but because I was about 17f at the time all he could think about was that it could have been me. Disclaimer I am not the operator that took the call but the one that had to make it. On behalf of my next door neighbors, it was my first basic apartment after moving out, and had been there maybe two months when a young couple with a new baby moved in next door. They were struggling, didn't have a phone because they couldn't afford it. I wasn't great off financially either but worked for an electronics retailer that sold Sprint after it had first come out, and so got it for almost nothing to promote them to customers so I never bothered with a landline. They didn't have good coverage in the area at the time so dropped calls were frequent at home. Bad enough that calling my mom once a week on Sunday involved me taking a walk to avoid that. One night I get home late from work, 
make something to eat, start to relax, and sit down in front of the TV when I get a knock at the door. I had had a long day at work. It was late, and I wasn't expecting anyone nor was I in a mood to talk to anyone. So ignored the first knock there were other college kids that lived there and I thought it was the drunken wrong door sort of thing. I hear a knock on another door a second later and I guess he got no answer there either because a minute later he's back at my door pounding even harder. What the duck man, it's late. I open the door and he charges in a couple steps with this wild look in his eyes. I thought he was on something at first so I go into defense mode. Can I use your phone? He asks. I only have a cell phone that doesn't really work that well around here. That's fine. I need to call 911. And then tears. My baby. I think he's dead. He almost shouted dead. Oh, shit. I grab my phone and dial. Then hand it to him sort of dumbfounded. I had to take it back from him and relay to the operator. He was too distraught to get the address and details out so I tried to stay calm and took the phone back. Yes I am the neighbor. This is the address. He just found his baby blue and not breathing in his crib, etc. All sort of detached. We were close to a fire station so the operator gave me an ETA of just a few minutes. Which I told him and motioned to him to head back over and stayed on until I could confirm emergency services arrived. I heard them wailing through the shared wall. Come on breath. I think they were trying CPR. The EMTs arrived and calmly started walking into my place with a stretcher I had kept the door open in case the guy needed something else. So I had to direct first responder traffic then explain to them and a cop that showed up what I knew about the situation. I never saw my neighbors again after that. A day or so later was my day off and I got a knock early that afternoon. An older woman greets me and says that she's the mom of my neighbor and asked me if I was the guy that called 911. Said she wanted to thank me for making the call. I said it was no trouble but I felt like a real asshole inside for not answering the first knock kept that last part to myself. I asked how he was doing, and she said he didn't make it. She was fighting tears. She just lost her baby grandson only a day and a half ago. Over the course of the day his parents moved everything out. I guess it hurt too bad for my neighbor to go back in there. I didn't think to offer to help. I was too dumbfounded over the whole situation. It bothered me a lot, not offering to help with the moving and ignoring the first knock. And I didn't sleep very well for a few nights until I talked to my boss about why I was dragging at work. He was a volunteer sheriff's deputy in a neighboring county and is off time from the store so he'd seen this kind of thing before, and assured me that by the time my neighbor found his son it was probably already too late. But still, this was in 99 but I still think about them every so often. If they managed to stay together after, that sort of thing, added clarity and typos. I was tired when I wrote this. Hubby of a former dispatcher. She worked nights by herself and I think hadn't even worked a year there. Knew the officers really well since obviously she was the only person there. Officer pulls a guy over for a routine stop but whatever reason he pulled a gun and shot the officer then took off. Officer calls in to dispatch so she's calling imps and all that and gives the mile marker. From my understanding other cops got on the scene first and were with him EMT calls back for the location and she somehow gave the wrong one. Off by like a mile. She was pretty shaken by it as it was someone she considered a friend. He lived. She found out later about the mix-up like a week later. It didn't seem to affect anything or delay him getting help but it messed her up worse. Got put on leave and no one in the department could talk to her. Got PTSD from it and was in a bad place for a while. She's much better now and no longer a dispatcher. About a year and a half ago now, I received a call from a man that said his girlfriend was on the toilet and bleeding. I asked him if she was pregnant which she was about 3-4 months along. I then asked to get her off the toilet, in which he does. As soon as he got her off the toilet, he saw his child in there. I proceeded to ask if the child was breathing and he said it was. After about a minute went by of me trying to walk him through some instructions he tells me the baby stops breathing. At this point I provided him with CPR instructions to which he seemed to do the best he could with them. I disconnected the phone when medics arrived on scene and never found out the end result but it can pretty much be assumed 
My supervisor allowed me to walk that one off for a few minutes. My heart goes out to that man for being as calm as he sounded at that situation because I have no idea how I'd react firsthand. I've also had multiple calls from people where their significant others shot themselves in the head. Also a 16-year-old that was found in the woods by their parents. They hanged themselves. Many haunting calls but none quite compared to the first because I have absolutely no idea how I would react in that situation. I may not be an operator anymore I quit being one now I am a handyman type anyway I answer the call and hear a woman gasping for air I asked her over and over then I hear chalking and a man saying you bitch you tried to call the police on me a second later I hear screaming I informed them and they figured out it is from New Mexico to this day I still wonder how they called us in NYC. I worked for 411. I got fired because a girl called, begged me not to hang up on her. She can only function via computer and her computer was dead. All she wanted was a phone number to call HP. It took me half an hour, and our average call was 1.36 minutes. I had five different bosses from five floors come yell at me. You should have hung up on her. Charged her and then she could just keep calling is what they told me. Duck that. I quit right then and there. No one is ever going to yell at my for helping another human being. No one. I don't care if you are a shareholder of TELUS. Medical dispatch here. No call keeps me up at night. None. If you do this job and these things stick to you, you either won't last long or your mind will deteriorate. You might wonder how I do it and it's quite simple I approach each and every call as a case by case problem. And each problem needs different solutions. To me I don't help someone. I solve a problem. Sure I feel empathy and anger sometimes but it passes and disappear in a matter of seconds. In the end, I do my job as mechanically as possible and it doesn't make a difference for the caller but changes the world for me and my health. So basically, my sister had a boyfriend which I would call Caesar that was obsessed with her and would do anything to stay with her. So on one morning Caesar came because it was their three months together so Caesar rung the doorbell and I have four sisters but, I'm just gonna name two which is Stacy and Jessica so, Jessica boyfriend is coming over and like I said he rings the doorbell which Stacy looks and thinks it's a man with a gun and calls 911 so, they soon arrest him and we check to see it's Caesar and we are at a loss of words. He even tried to beat up the cops with a rock I think. The most insane thing about this was that Jessica dreamed this would happen. Extra so like a couple months later he was out of jail and visited her, but at the middle of the night, he takes her and they run together like sits for real some sort of dumb love story and buy an apartment together. Gosh they're dumb. Later we convinced her to come back well forced and got her back. He stalks us till this day. I live in a high population area in Florida. I spend 48-56 hours a week taking nearly back-to-back 911 calls for almost 3 years now and I don't have a single one that keeps me up. My job is to send the right help to the right place at the right time. I code and send the call to dispatch. I provide instructions to callers. And I know at the end of the day that my presence on the other end of the line has improved that person's chances of survival. I guess what I am saying is, it isn't about me. It isn't personal. Crime and accidents and illness are incredibly common. And as long as I did everything within my power to help then I can sleep peacefully. Bonus my favorite silly call was a lady who told me her 12 year old wasn't breathing because his brother hit him in the chest. I am providing CPR instructions. She's screaming my baby, my baby. It's tense right up until the paramedics arrive and figure out it was a dog and not a human child. I did CPR with her for like 3 minutes. Ugh. Also, taking up a 911 line for stupid shit like that should be criminal. I love dogs as much as the next person but no ambulance is gonna take your dog anywhere when they have 3 other emergency calls for humans waiting to go this is something that happened on the 24th of this month it's almost been a week it was around 7 a.m when i was walking to my car parked in the street getting ready to leave off for work when all of a sudden i hear the most terror-filled scream coming from my friend's house whom only lived about four houses down immediately i got in the car and drove over 
banging on the front door as hard as I could. Shortly she opened covered in blood, and sobbing. I asked her what happened, and for the life of her she couldn't muster a single word. All she could do was point to the back door. I moved her to the couch and sat her down then ran to the backyard. And what I saw was horrifying. Her 12-year-old son was laying on the ground with a knife sticking out of his chest. I looked around for his dad but he was nowhere to be found. I turned to my friend and asked her where he was and she instantly began shaking. I knew exactly what happened by that point and calmly called 911. My story is very common thing many dispatchers may relate to. The guilt and the overwhelming feeling of sorrow and regret. It'd been an average day. Nothing out of the ordinary. Call comes in on the emergency line. He's been stabbed. Okay. So I start reciting the script, start going through the steps of checking for a pulse breath while dispatching the closest ambulance, reminding them to leave the stab wound and the knife alone. Then dispatch got back to me and I find out the nearest ambulance is 37 minutes away, 37 minutes for a situation that needs immediate medical intervention. The woman is screaming on the phone, crying. I can hear a crowd gather around the boy's body, all screaming and crying. The ambulance didn't come on time, it was too late. I went back home and watched on the news of the story of the boy who got stabbed by a gang. Watched as the family cried at the loss of their boy. Guilt started to appear as if I should have done more, or if it was my fault. I still haven't forgotten. It has stayed with me till this day. If you have never heard what an overdose sounds like, try imagining gargling and spitting sounds, as if someone is using mouthwash, but it's far more violent. Sometimes in a state of crisis, people will overdose and then call 911 so the operator listens to it. If this is the case, then the operator must stay in the line and send rescue services to the place in question, and cannot hang up until police EMS arrives to the scene and can safely disconnect the call. It's beyond ducked up, but happens regularly, especially in the winter. Hey folks as you know I love helping people. Especially people trying to help themselves so I was sent this GoFundMe fundraiser from a listener. My name is Greg, and I was homeless due to the death of my spouse and need dental work to become employable as I look horrendous, and my work experience is working with the public. I desperately need dentures or, if lucky, implants. I have never been more humiliated in my life and am thankful someone is willing to help me do this. Please help make me whole again. If you would like to help Greg become whole again and get his life back the link to donate is below, if you are unable to help. Please share the fundraiser link. I truly appreciate you.